everybody, it's Rich. Welcome, or welcome back, to the Access Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel, where you'll find our complete Sunday experience with music, as well as great content for kids and students. Visit accesschurch.com to keep up with everything going on around here at Access, and subscribe to our email list. We'll send you helpful suggestions each week designed to help you make friends, grow in faith, and live with purpose. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, we are continuing a series that we started a couple of weeks ago, and it is all about relationships. And sometimes those relationships get a little sideways. Sometimes we get a little bit off track, and we've got to come back along and make some corrections to relationships. And I don't know um, what your most important relationships look like in your life. I know that when Stephanie and I got married, we were 24 years old. We thought that we knew so much about relationships. We thought we were so mature you know, you're 24, you think like, I've, I am an adult now. I have got these things figured out. And then we got married and we realized that we did not have things figured out because um, see, we both came to the conclusion pretty early on that when there was a disagreement or when there was a, a conflict in our relationship, that that was because obviously it was someone's fault, right? Someone must be to blame. And this was really easy. This came easy for us. This was not the hard part of the relationship. The easy part was recognizing that someone was to blame. The problem was that um, she believed much of the time that I was the one to blame. That was the problem. That was what needed fixing, right? Because, I mean, you guys know me. You guys are with me on this. You guys have, you guys know my wife, you know me, right? You would understand, like, I would not be the one to blame if there was conflict right? Surely she would be the one to blame. How many of you guys are with, all the guys are like just shaking their heads, like just stop right now, brother. Just don't, because she's going to listen to this message later. Yeah. The problem is we go into relationships and we get that there is blame, right? We call this the blame pie. And this is actually, I'm going to share right here at the top of the message, one of the most helpful things that we have learned in our relationship. And that is that there is in fact a blame pie, but we so often see this pie as a whole, right? We see this pie as like the blame is either entirely with you or the blame is entirely with me, but we put this blame out there as if it's a whole. And one of the most helpful things that we were able to learn in our marriage is that sometimes there's a slice. Sometimes there's just a slice of the blame that is worth taking a look at. In fact, it might be worth asking the question, do I own a slice? Do I own a sliver? Do I own a small, small piece of the blame in this conflict, in this relationship that's fallen apart or that's broken down. And if you can just begin to ask that question, that can be an incredibly helpful thing that will begin to bring you back to that other person in relationship because our goal is not to get back at, our goal is to get back to this other person that we're in relationship with. And it begins, as we're gonna talk about today, we're gonna unpack this, that we begins by just saying, you know what? Maybe, maybe there's a slice that I own in this conflict. And as we learned from hearing Andy say, if you own a slice, you've gotta be nice. If you own a slice, you've gotta be nice. And I'm telling you, if you begin to own just a slice 
of the conflict. If you begin to own just a slice of the blame, it begins to open your heart and it begins to open the other person's heart to exploring maybe what's really going on in this relational conflict. In fact, you might say, uh, I've got just a tiny little slice in this. And then as you begin to explore it more and you begin to be honest with yourself a little bit more, you might decide, actually, I, I, I a big slice, a big slice of the blame here is my fault. So if you are just catching up or you're just joining us today, we're in part three of a four-part series called Reassembly Required. Reassembly Required. And it is the beginner's guide to repairing broken relationships. And the reason that we say it is a beginner's guide is because, um, you know, this is just some basic things and we are not here to replace counseling. If you're already in counseling, then stay with your counselor. This is just a beginner's guide. But at the end of these four weeks, you might decide you're ready for the advanced course that you wanna go on and you wanna learn more about repairing relationships. And then I would say, get a counselor because it can be a really helpful process for you to go through. And as, we, uh, as we've looked over this, uh, this content over the last couple of weeks, um, Andy introduced the, uh, the four, the C4 approach, right? These four things that uh, are the C4 approach to relationship management. And this is just tongue in cheek. This is just for fun. But this is because for so many of us, we come into relationships looking at them as a problem to be solved. And like so many other problems in our life that we need to solve, we look at it like a problem at work or we look at it with a problem with you know, the house and we say, okay, I've got to manage this situation. I've got to manage this individual and managing an individual always works so well for us, right? Because we love to be managed and we love it when someone else tries to approach us and manage us. And when we come into the relationship looking to manage the situation or to manage the individual, we do these, these are the four C's. We convince, you know, if I just like, if I just share all of the information from my perspective, you will, I will win you over. Because what you're lacking really is just information. And um, as I sometimes say to Stephanie, I am here to help and inform. And uh, that doesn't seem to be received as well as I think it should be because I have a lot of helpful information to add, but it turns out that information is rarely the problem, right? Convincing someone rarely works. Or we say, we're gonna convict them. You know, I'm just gonna make them feel guilty. If I can really make them understand just what a terrible person they are, surely then they'll, they'll come looking to me for help. Or I'm gonna coerce them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just kind of force them into a corner. I'm gonna control them because all of us love to be convinced, convicted, coerced, and controlled. None of this works. And when we try to manage a relationship, all we do is we manage to make things worse. We manage to get ourselves in trouble and into a corner. And so today, as we move into this next piece, I think it's gonna be a really, really helpful piece for you to understand as we look at these questions that Jesus asks us about our relationships, um, we're going to start first by just looking at some excuses that we tend to make in relationships because I want to get these excuses out of the way. The first excuse that can be so destructive, that can be so insidious in a relationship is this, um, I don't care. You know, I know that there's this thing going on, um, but it's just, it's not a big deal. It's another way we might say it sometimes, you know, that's not a big deal. Um, or I just don't care. I remember I, I read an article actually that exposed this one time and really got me thinking about you know, I, because I seek harmony in a relationship, I can say like, it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter. And, and really, it does matter, but that's a way for me to avoid conflict, right? I don't want to have conflict, and so I just say, you know what? It doesn't matter, but it does matter. And we say the same thing. We say, I don't care when we do care. And actually, I think um, the article I was reading was actually from Alcoholics Anonymous, which they've done a phenomenal job. What an organization to help people recognize, like, there, there can't be this separation between my feelings and the way that I respond in a relationship because that disharmony, that disconnection will actually just really stir up some, some energy that has to go somewhere. And so we take it with us into the next relationship or we take it with us into a different context. Maybe you've done this at home where you've got something at work and it's really bothered you, but you do the I don't care at work. And then you come home and you bring some of that energy with you at home and you're overreacting to something at home and your, your family's looking at you like, where is all this energy coming from? And you're even thinking to yourself, you may not admit it out loud, but you're thinking, where's all this energy coming from? And it's coming because we're redirecting this energy from saying, oh, I don't care or it's not a big deal, or it doesn't really matter when it does. And oftentimes when we're saying, I don't care, what we're really saying is, uh, you know, I, I feel uh, out of control. I, I feel like I don't really have a lot of control in this situation. And in fact, this is something that I care deeply about. And um, so we've got to, first of all, address that excuse. The second excuse that we sometimes use is we say, well, you know what? I already tried. I already tried. And this is like, uh, this is the arms crossed, you know, like I'm here, I'm here, I'm waiting. If they want to put this back together, then they know how to find me. If they want to put this back together, then they can call me. If they want to put this back together, they've got my number. You know, last I checked, the, the digits work on their phone just as well. They can call me. I'm here, I'm waiting. But it's, it's another excuse where we say, I have already tried. I've already tried. And so um, the problem with this is that our goal is no regrets. That's our goal. Our goal in a relationship is to say that there are no regrets. The goal isn't to win the argument. The goal isn't to overwhelm with information. The goal is no regrets. And the problem is that as we navigate these relationships, sometimes it's these excuses, it's these things that get in the way of us moving towards someone. And we said that there are four decisions. Andy talked about this last week. There are four decisions. We're going to talk about the second one today. Uh, last week, we talked about the decision that we're going to move towards someone, that our goal isn't to get back at them, but to get back to them. And this is really important to remember when we're having relational conflict, because so much of the time, so much of what we do and so much of what we feel like we just need to say because we need to get it off our chest, we need to express ourselves. But what happens is the things that we do and the things that we say increase the distance between each other. And the reality is as far as we move away from each other, then we have to eventually recover that ground and move back toward each other. If the goal is no regrets, if the goal is to get back to someone and not to get back at them, then we have to ask ourselves as we're having the conversation and we're discussing things, like how far do I really want to travel? You know, when I first took up running, um, I didn't like running nearly as much as I liked going to the gym because when I went to the gym, I could just like, I could do some exercises for a few minutes. And if I was like, ah, I feel like kind of throwing in the towel at this point. At any time in the gym, you can just stop, right? Walk out to your car. I'm done. I did a good thing. I went to the gym. But running's different. You get like three miles from home. I mean, you call an Uber, I guess. 
But at some point, you've got to get yourself back home. Running's a whole, I remember, you know, one of the very first times I was on a run, I was like, oh, like I'm getting further and further and further from home. At some point, I'm going to have to turn around and run back. Maybe I should turn around now. I would love it if we had that same mindset in relationships. That as we're, you know, we're saying these things that we just feel like we need to say, we need to get them off our chest, that we would recognize that we may be moving further and further away. And the goal isn't to get back at, the goal is to get back to. And if the goal is to move back to, then I wanna be really careful about how far away I actually move. The next excuse that uh, we often say is, you know what, it wasn't my fault. This goes back to the blame Pie. This goes back to discovering what it looks like to own a slice. It wasn't my fault. I mean, if you had been there, if you had heard the situation, and I was there, believe me, I was there, I heard the whole thing, I saw the whole thing, I know exactly what happened, and it wasn't my fault. Matter of fact, if, if, you, had, if you had seen the look on their face, you would have, you would have known 100%. We've all caught ourselves saying these things either in our head, an imaginary conversation, or with a friend, or someone else, you know what? It just, it wasn't my fault. It's not, it's not that I'm not willing to forgive. It's not willing, that I'm not willing to accept their apology when it's offered. But the reality is that it wasn't my fault. They're the ones that blew the whole thing up. They're the ones that took the credit again for my idea. They're the ones that ruined Thanksgiving. They're the ones that ruined Christmas. They're the ones that have driven this division into the family. And it's not my fault. And so when they're willing to accept all the blame when they're willing to come back and to apologize, well, then maybe, maybe we can put things back together. But what we've learned is that reassembly begins with us regardless of who initiated the fuss. Reassembly begins with us regardless of who initiated the fuss. And that's not just cute, it's actually true. And it actually works that when we're willing to take the first step, when we're willing to move towards someone in relationship, and we're willing to get back toward them and not just get back at them, then real progress can really take place in a relationship. When we're beginning to move towards someone, we recognize that reassembly begins with us regardless of who initiated the fuss. So those are the, the excuses that we just kind of, I just wanted to kind of get those out of the way. These three excuses, I don't care. I already tried and it wasn't my fault. Those are the three excuses that I just want to get out of the way before we look at um, this question that Jesus asked, because Jesus gets in our business when it comes to relationships. And Jesus shows up and he asks us about relationships. And Jesus starts by saying, why do you look at the speck of sawdust? Why do you look at this itsy bitsy thing that's going on with your brother, your sister, your sister-in-law, your brother-in-law, your coworker at work? You know, it's like Jesus is showing up and saying, hey, what's going on? You know, you used to be so close to that person. You used to talk about this person. You used to talk with this person. Like you guys used to do life together. And then whatever happened there? Because why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Why do you ignore that there's something big going on in your world, but you're really focused on this little bitty tiny thing in their world? And we would respond, well, first of all, Jesus. I mean, I know I'm talking to Jesus here, but first of all, Jesus, it is not a speck. 
It is not an itty bitty thing that they did, okay? This is something that they just keep on doing and they keep on doing and they keep on doing. This is something that is a pattern in their life. This is something that they knew exactly what they were doing. This wasn't an itty bitty thing. This is a big thing. This was hurtful. This was painful. This was a really big deal. And secondly, Jesus, okay, I know I'm talking to Jesus, but secondly, Jesus, I don't have a plank in my eye, okay? I, I don't have anything in my eye because I can see the situation clearly. So there's nothing in my eye. There's nothing blocking my vision. There's nothing impairing my view of what's going on here. Jesus, and again, I'm talking to Jesus, but hey, Jesus, I think you actually have this situation reversed. I think maybe, you know, you're a good God and you're, you're being very nice. You're being very great. But I think maybe you got confused on this one. I think you got these two people mixed up and I'm actually the one that if anything, I've got a tiny little speck in my eye and they're the ones that have the big plank in their eye. See, this is the confusion. This is the problem. This is the struggle that we have is we feel like, oh man, they've got this, this huge problem. And maybe, maybe, maybe I own a tiny slice of the pie, but they're the ones that have the big problem. And Jesus says, how can you say to your brother, permit me, to take the speck out of your eye. Permit me to take the speck out of your eye. Like, imagine, you know, this is kind of how we show up. We say to somebody like, oh, wow, you know, if I could just sit with you for a little bit and I could really help, right? I could, I could help. I could, I could sit down and I could help, what's the word? Fix you. You ever thought that? You've never said that. You're way too smart of people to think, to, to say that out loud, but... You maybe have thought that before. You know, I could, really, I could really help you. I could really sit down. I could really, I could help you if I could just take the speck out of your eye. Allow me to help fix you. Allow me to help you navigate what seems to be uh, something that you're having a difficult time seeing because I can see clearly because there's nothing in my eye. My vision is 20-20 on this. I've got, you know, a really good perspective. I can help you. And Jesus says, how can you say to your brother, Permit me to take the speck out of your eye. And this is an interesting word here. When all the time, now the Greek word here is actually one word. And it's a little bit of a play on words. It's a little bit of a, of a fun moment, I think, that Jesus is having. Um, it's when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. We also could translate that as behold. Um, or it's the word for look, like Oh, surprise, surprise. Or a colloquial translation would be when looky there, looky there, will you? There's a plank in your own eye. I think Jesus, you know, this, this is actually part of the Sermon on the Mount. This is probably Jesus' most famous sermon where Jesus has his closest followers gathered around him. This is Jesus speaking to people who love him. This is Jesus speaking to his friends. This is Jesus speaking to people who've chosen to leave everything behind and follow him. And he's speaking to them with kindness. I think Jesus was super likable. I think he was super friendly. And I think he's saying to them like, really? Come on. You know, how would you, how would you dare to start to fix your friend? How would you dare to start to fix your child? How would you dare to start to fix your coworker, your neighbor? How would you dare to fix somebody else when surprise, surprise, looky there, there's a plank in your own eye. There's a plank in your own eye. And then he goes on to say, you hypocrite. 
And I think he says it with a smile. It, it's the, you imposter, you actor, you're, you're not being completely honest. You're not being completely real. If we were real, then we would understand that perhaps there is a slice of the pie that's to be shared. Perhaps I have to own a slice. And if I own a slice, then I have to be nice. Now, you may come away from this and say, okay, I get it. I get it. The moral of the story, the moral of this teaching, what Jesus is really trying to communicate here is that I should just mind my own business, right? So I should take care of me. I should worry about me and what I'm responsible for. And I should let them worry about their responsible for. I should just, I should just mind my own business. And actually that's not what Jesus is saying. It's Jesus is not saying that he wants you to go to your little hypocritical self-righteous corner and they, they can stay in their self-righteous corner and we can both think that we're right, but we just kind of stay separate. Jesus is calling us into community. He's calling us into relationship. God wants us to walk with each other, not just so that we have companionship, but he wants us to walk with each other so that we can be for each other. You see, we say, the way we say it here at this church is that we wanna help you make friends, grow in faith and live with purpose. And we've chosen those statements very, very carefully because we want to invite you into relationship with your heavenly father, which has absolutely no requirements for entry. He invites you to be a part of a growing relationship with him. But then it comes to this, like, I'm gonna walk with other people. And we want you to experience authentic community. And part of being in community is because our faith isn't designed to stop with us. You see, following Jesus is not just about making you better. Like, oh, I follow Jesus and so now I'm a better person and look at me, I'm all good now. Actually, following Jesus has a natural progression or a natural outgrowth or a natural result, which is that following Jesus is actually gonna make the world around you better. Following Jesus doesn't just make you better, it makes the world around you better, it makes your relationships better, it makes other people better. And so part of what it looks like to discover your purpose and have purpose in life is to recognize that I am following Jesus and as I follow Jesus, then Jesus is helping me make a difference in the lives of other people. So I move toward them. And so Jesus says this way, he says, you hypocrite first, first. So he's saying, there, this is just the first step. There's more to follow. There's more that I want you to do, but first take the plank out of your own eye. So in other words, this is just the first step and there's something I'm gonna ask you to do next because being in relationship means that we're gonna move toward each other. We're gonna work toward one another. And so first take the plank out of your own eye. That's just the first step. But it's a difficult step. And it may require God's help in your life. And, and I think, honestly, I think this whole series and I think this point that we're talking about here today in particular is one of these things where I think this is one of the reasons that you should follow Jesus or at least consider following Jesus regardless of what you think about Jesus. If you're here today and you're a little bit skeptical about the whole Jesus thing, if you're here today and you're skeptical about the faith thing, I get that. And I am so glad that you're here. And I wanna welcome you into these truths and these principles for relationship because I think they can make your life better and they can make the lives of the people around you better. Because when G we say Jesus changes our lives, we mean Jesus changes the ways that we relate to other people. 
And it may mean that we start with a prayer. And if you don't think the prayer works, then there's no harm in praying this prayer, right? There's no, there's no harm in praying a prayer. If, prayer. if prayer doesn't work, then all you've done is, you know, you've talked out loud while you're in the car by yourself. No harm, no foul. Nobody knows. But if prayer works, then this is a prayer worth praying to say this week, God, help me to see. Help me to see what my slice might be. Help me to see what my slice might be. When I think about the pie, when I think about the pie, what is my slice? Do I own even a sliver? Do I own a tiny piece? God, just, just help me to see. Open my eyes. And that's a prayer worth praying. And it's a prayer that may lead you to take that first step. That first step, which to, is to address the plank in your own eye. Now, maybe you don't think it's a plank. Maybe you think it's just a tiny speck, but this is why we ask God to open our eyes and to help us see clearly. Jesus says, you hypocrite, first, step one, first take the plank out of your own eye and then, here's step two, and then you will see clearly. And then you will see clearly. You see, when I'm willing to own my slice, then I will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see what Jesus says there? He's like, first you deal with you. It's not that you shouldn't deal with each other. It's just that you've got the order wrong. What you so often wanna do is you want to deal with the other person first. You want to fix them first. You wanna reach in there. You wanna deal with what's in their eye. And Jesus is just saying, no, 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 no. It's not that you can't be a part of that, but you've gotta start with you. You've got to start with you. And that might start with a prayer that says, God, help me to see my slice. Help me to understand what's going on in this relationship. Because if I own a slice, then I've got to be nice. And for me to move toward the other person, it first starts with me owning my slice and then I can be helpful toward them then I can actually have a role in their growing faith or in their maturity as it develops. You see, the thing about following Jesus is it doesn't, it doesn't begin and end with me. Me following Jesus isn't about me. Me following Jesus is about the difference that I can make in the world. And sometimes the most important difference that we can make in the world involves somebody we live with, somebody we work with someone that's been part of our extended family and we've wrestled with this and we've struggled with this. And maybe even as I'm challenging you to pray this prayer, God, just help me to see clearly. Open my eyes, help me to see my part. Help me to see my slice. Maybe there's just this little tiny thing that popped into your head and you immediately dismissed it. You're like, no, no, it's not that. <laughs> not gonna think about that. I would encourage you. Think about that. Pray about that. Allow God to shine a light into your heart to help you deal with the plank that might be in your eyes so that when you remove that plank, then you can see clearly. And when you can see clearly, then you can be helpful 
toward those that you love, toward those that you're in a relationship with. See, so often self-righteousness is what gets in our way. And, and Jesus is just saying, you know what? We've got to take the self-righteousness and we've got to park that. We've got to put that aside because that is getting in the way of our relationships. When Jesus told stories, when Jesus told parables, you know, there was, there was only one kind of people in Jesus' parables. There was the unrighteous, which is all of us. The only one who's righteous is God. And the rest of us, we're all in the same camp. We are all guilty. We are all the same. And that's a difficult message for us to hear sometimes. Sometimes we, we chafe against that. We rebel against that. We do not like being told we're guilty. We don't want to hear it from our spouse. We don't want to hear it from our neighbor. We don't want to hear it from our friend. We don't want to hear it from a preacher. We do not want to hear it from God. We do not want to hear that we're guilty. But it's until we recognize that we're guilty, we can't experience grace. And we can't experience forgiveness. And we can't experience what it looks like to be welcomed into relationship. If you've ever been in a relationship that's been broken, even a little bit, and then put back together, you know how wonderful reconciliation feels. And this is the joy of reconciliation. This is the joy of being welcomed, whether it's back into a relationship with God or back into a relationship with a family member. It's when we recognize our slice, when we recognize our guilt, when we recognize that we need to own some of this, when we come back and we repent, that is when we experience grace and forgiveness and relationships can be put back together. And listen, listen, if we are willing to move toward someone else and we're willing to start by looking at ourselves and dealing with ourselves and then moving toward them, and if we call ourselves a Jesus follower, then of course this is how we're going to behave. Of course this is going to how we're, we're going to move. Because Jesus moved toward us. When there was a barrier between us and God, and that barrier was our rebellion, when, when we had our backs turned to God, when we were, in fact, moving away from God, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he moved toward us, that he gave himself to us in relationship. And so if we're, if we're Jesus followers, this is what it looks like for us to move toward and to get back into relationships. So these decisions, the first decision, last week Andy talked about the first decision, which is I will not get back to or I'm sorry, I will get back to, not get back at. I'm gonna take retribution off the table. I'm gonna take payback off the table. I'm gonna take whatever I feel like they deserve, I'm gonna take that off the table because my goal is to move back to them, to get back to them, not to get back at them. And then the second decision that we need to make this week is, I will own my slice of the blame Pie. I will own my slice of the blame pie. Paul, Paul writes it like this. This is uh, years later, Paul's writing. He's writing to the church in Rome. 
And uh, Paul says it this way. He says, if it is possible, I love this because he recognizes that it's not always possible, right? He's a realist. But at the same time, he kind of doubles down on our responsibility. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, you have to look long and hard at yourself. You've got to pray that prayer. God, show me what depends on me. But if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, do everything you can do to be at peace with everyone. Because let's be honest, if we're not willing to do what we're convinced that other people should do, right? We're sitting back so much of the time. We're sitting back and we're waiting for them to come to us. We're sitting back. We're waiting for them to have the conversation with us. We're waiting for them to do the work. We're waiting for them to do the self-investigation. We're waiting for them to recognize that there's something in their eye. But come on. If we aren't willing to do what we're convinced that they should do, because we're all convinced that they should go first. If we're not willing to do what we're convinced that they should do, then what are we? We're hypocrites, right? Here's a hard lesson that uh, it has taken a long time to learn and through difficult lessons, but here is a, here's a really good truth that we should walk away from. The more aware that I am of what God has yet to do in me, the less aware I am and the less consumed I am by what he has yet to do in people around me. And some of us are consumed. I get it. Maybe you are just consumed because you're thinking, in fact, this is such a big deal in your life. You're thinking that this is even insensitive for me to bring this up today. Because if, if I only knew the circumstances that you've been through, if I only knew the ways that you've been hurt. For some of us, this is just, a, you know, we're thinking about maybe it's a neighbor and their dog and whatever. It's this little tiny thing. It's inconsequential. Um, it's annoying. But for some of us, this is a really big deal. For some of us, this is something that affects you. It affects your kids, your grandkids. It's a big deal. And you're consumed. And you don't want to be consumed, but you're consumed by this. And Jesus' question to us today is to say, what if? What if you examined yourself first? Doesn't mean that there's not a second step and maybe a third step and a fourth step, but that first we would examine ourselves. The more aware I am of what God has yet to do in me, the less aware I am and the less consumed I am with what God has to do in the people around me. So these are the questions that we have left in front of us today. These are the decisions that we have to make. First of all, I will not get back to, or I will, I'm keeping saying this wrong way. I will get back to, not get back at. I will own my slice of the blame pie. And this is what we've talked about in Reassembly Required, the beginner's guide, just the beginner's guide to repairing broken relationships. 
Next week, we're gonna continue this series and would love to have you back for that. But first, I wanna give you some questions. And these are questions that you can talk about on the drive home today. These are questions that you can talk about with people if you're watching online, talk about them with people in your living room. If you're in a community group, we would love to have you connecting with other people, sitting in a circle during the week and asking these kinds of questions. But here's a few questions for you to ponder as you talk about this this week. First of all, is it difficult for you to admit that you're wrong? Why or why not? And why did you lie about the answer to that question? Second, what is the most difficult relationship you've ever had to repair? And what did you learn from that experience? Have you experienced that repairing taking place? It's, it's a wonderful thing if you haven't. Really, God is the God of reconciliation. He is in the business of putting relationships back together. He is in the business of healing what is broken. And it is a wonderful way to experience relationships coming back together and also to experience the grace of God in the middle of your relationships. And third, would you commit to this verse? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, to be at peace with everyone. It's a great verse to memorize, to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this on my mirror, I'm gonna put this on my dashboard, I'm gonna put this somewhere where I see it every day, I'm gonna put it on the home screen of my phone. And I'm just gonna memorize this simple verse, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, to live at peace, to be at peace with everyone. Some questions for us to consider and some challenges for us in this coming week. I hope you join us next week for part four. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for these truths in our life today. Thank you so much that they can be truths that are truly life-giving. God, thank you so much that because of your grace and your mercy in our lives, because you have moved toward us, that that gives us courage and strength to move toward other people. Help us to do that with an infinite amount of love and grace. And God, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your Holy Spirit to reveal in our lives the ways in which we might have planks in our own eyes, planks that keep us from seeing clearly, planks that make it difficult for us to be helpful toward the people that we love. Open our eyes, God, help us to see clearly we ask all of this in your name. Amen.